Welcome to Teacher in Sign Podcast. Hello, welcome to the podcast. You know, recently I had a painful exchange with a brother uh, from my distant past, and he had accused me of trying to destroy the restoration. I could certainly understand from his perspective how by challenging his perspective, his traditions, or his understanding of the restoration, how he might view that as an attack on the restoration itself. But he also made a number of statements regarding my character that were literally the polar opposite of what I actually believe and what I actually teach. And as I read the list of charges, I started to recognize that he was evidently holding on to a view of me that he had formed many years ago. And that was at a time when I had made a pretty big mistake. Now, I've mentioned before, I believe on this podcast, that at one time in my life, I actually joined a cult and not everybody can put that on their resume. And when I make that statement, it tends to raise eyebrows. And that was a little more than 20 years ago. I have yet to really tell that story on the podcast, not because I'm ashamed to do so, but just hadn't found the right opportunity to yet. There are some very good lessons to be learned from that experience. Things I learned about myself, things that I learned about humanity and about how we are deceived, how we allow ourselves to be deceived. And aside from that, probably it being a very entertaining story in any case, I'm sure I'll tell that at some point. But here we are. It's decades later, and this man whom I'd always considered a dear brother, but whom I've rarely seen or heard from over the last two decades, to be honest. But it appeared to be that he was unaware of the details of my personal experience, though I have publicly shared them. He seemed unaware of how I came to realize that I was deceived, how Christ had appeared to me while I was in the cult. And told me to leave that place. He seemed unaware of the grief I suffered for that mistake, the lessons I learned from it, the counsel and the understanding I received from the Lord. Nor did he seem to acknowledge or comprehend the amends that I had made and how I had expended so much great energy to publicly repent and warn others away from this deception. But as far as he was concerned, I had never learned my lesson and that I was only continuing in the same errors. Being the one who personally went through this experience, the only person who has actually lived my life over the past two decades, I cannot agree with his assessment. But it is a fool's errand to try to disabuse someone of a notion they are not willing to be corrected in. This is the view he must adopt in order to dismiss the things that I am saying, which he is uncomfortable with. 
The irony of all this is that he is himself ensnared in a deception currently, and he is himself now a part of a cult. I refuse to judge his character, however, because of this. I mean, how could I? We are, all of us, human beings, prone to error. How can I judge, knowing well my own weaknesses and failings? When this brother one day comes to the realization that he is himself deceived, I promised him that I would not hold him to that mistake, but instead rejoice and trust that he will surely learn much from this mistake. And I trust that God will use it for his good to grow him and to make him a better minister. Now this conversation that we had is the backdrop and the context for the discussion of today's episode of the podcast. For among his accusations that were leveled at me was that I do not believe that truth is knowable and that this is part of my teaching even. And I was quite honestly flabbergasted by this statement. I have always believed and taught that the truth is most definitely knowable, that we must only ask, seek, and knock in order to receive, even as Jesus has promised us, being in a covenant relationship with Christ, who is the very embodiment of truth. It has always been my experience that his spirit will lead us to all truth. I have faith in this. I trust in it, and it is the basis of my daily walk with God. And without that, we are lost. It is because of this exchange with my, my old friend that I felt led to speak on the subject of truth today. Is truth knowable? Yes, absolutely. 100%. If not, the very fabric of the universe would come unraveled. Mankind could not have learned how to plant gardens, build homes, breed animals to bring out specific characteristics. We could never have defied gravity and learned how to fly or build computers or send satellites into outer space. Though I will acknowledge that God does not reveal all things to us presently. And that even when he does reveal truth to us, we do not always fully comprehend it. Even Paul wrote that we only see in part, and it is humility that we acknowledge this. It is also true that any one of us can potentially be deceived. If you believe that it is impossible that you could be deceived, then you are likely already deceived. There are essential principles in the scriptures that will help us keep out of that sort of trouble. But bottom line, if we could not know the truth, then we cannot know Jesus and we are all lost. You see, he is the truth. He is the way, the life and the light of the world. Truth is of the greatest importance to me. Moreover, it is a passion of mine and has been for many years. It is my experience that truth will not only set you free, but it will sometimes anger people. 
something that people are going through right now. As God has set his hand a second time to recover his people Israel and call the Gentiles to repentance once more, is that many feel their religious foundation is being challenged, shaken, and otherwise disturbed. And that is because we have been building on the wrong foundation. If your foundation is in the institutional church, if it is the temple, if it is a prophet, you are building on the wrong foundation. You are standing on the wrong foundation. And that is the message you are hearing from the servants of God, even now in these last days, calling, come out of her, my people, come out of her, my people, because the various churches and their prophets and their religious traditions are ultimately a part of that system, a system that is ultimately of the devil, which will be brought down. The one and only true foundation is Jesus Christ. People don't like having their foundation disturbed. That is quite understandable. And for some, the cries of the servants of God who challenge the ways of the various churches can be like an annoying alarm clock that keeps going off. They'd like to snooze that alarm indefinitely, perhaps even smash it to bits so they can go back to sleep. But the house is on fire and their lives are in danger. Even the very salvation of some are at stake, though they do not realize it. After giving my life to Christ in my mid-twenties, I possessed a keychain. And on that keychain were five metal cubes on a leather strand tied at a knot at the end. And each one of these metal cubes had an individual letter engraved upon it. T-R-U-T-H. Truth. When I worked at an IT department for the state of Michigan back around 2000, one of my coworkers happened to be a self-proclaimed atheist. And one day while speaking to me, she picked up the keychain that was sitting on my desk and she asked me, why is truth so important to you anyway? I told her that without truth, it would be impossible for the universe to even exist, for us to even do our jobs and fix anything. She proceeded to tell me that she believed that there was no such thing as absolute truth, but instead, truth was relative, that everyone has their own truth. This conversation was setting the stage for what would be a bit of a showdown regarding the concept of truth, as several co-workers had begun listening in. Now, looking back at this moment, I can only think that it was the Holy Spirit that moved upon me in that moment because somehow I just instantly knew what to do. I told her that I could conclusively demonstrate for her and for anyone else who cared to that there is such a thing as absolute truth and that people's beliefs or opinions about it does not change that truth. And she told me that she wanted to see me try. And so we stepped out into an open area between our cubicles. There were now several coworkers who were watching and I asked my atheistic coworker to please turn around so that her back was turned towards me. She seemed a bit reluctant. So I told her, please don't worry. I simply want to hold an object behind your back so that you cannot see it. And so she turned her back to me and I then produced a yellow highlighter pen and I held it out for everyone else to see. 
I then said to her, I am holding an object behind your back. Try to guess what it is. Your keychain, she said. Good guess, but no. Guess again. A stapler. Nope. Want to take another guess? Your wallet? No. Okay, so what is it? She asked as she turned around to look. It's a yellow highlighter pen, I replied. So what does that prove? She asked. I told her, this is the truth. The whole time I was holding a yellow highlighter pen behind your back. It didn't matter what you thought it was or what you believed I might be holding in my hand. The object never changed at any time. Everyone could see it and it remained a yellow highlighter pen. And this demonstrates that there is such a thing as absolute truth and that someone's perception or their personal truth has no bearing on reality. She continued to protest that there was no absolute truth about anything and no way to know it in any case. Looking out the window, I told her that every blade of grass outside has an absolute truth about it, about what it is composed of, how many molecules, how many atoms it contains, how it grows, how it converts sunlight to energy and how it dies. There are ways even to discover those truths, but whether or not we are aware of those truths currently, it does not change the fact that there are absolute truths about it. Otherwise it could not even exist or function. Believing that I had made my point and not wanting to contend endlessly, I walked back to my cubicle and sat down. However, I was about to find out that the showdown was not quite over yet. She suddenly stormed into my cubicle and she seized the yellow highlighter pen from my desk and she raised it up in the air and said, what if I use the pen as a baton? And she proceeded to wave it around as if she were conducting an orchestra, or perhaps I could use it as a sword and fence with it. She then pretended to lunge forward and stab an invisible opponent. Or perhaps I just use it as a paperweight. She then slammed the pen down and walked away. Very calmly, I stood up in my cubicle and seeing even more coworkers were now drawn to the drama. I calmly called out to her as she was walking back to her cubicle. And I said, you can do whatever you want with it, but nothing changes the fact that it is still a yellow highlighter pen. Now, I don't usually like to be confrontational and I really did like this coworker and I never at any time looked down upon her because she did not believe in God. But there are times when a lie must be confronted with the truth. And I believe the Lord used that moment as an opportunity to plant seeds that day. Perhaps the tiniest seed of truth even found some purchase in the heart of an atheist. And if so, my hope is that one day it produces fruit. Who knows? But if nothing else, perhaps it helped shore up the faith of some coworker who witnessed this exchange, knowing that we live in a world that tries to tell us that there is no such thing as an absolute truth. I'm going to keep it short today, but I'd like to quickly outline just a few fundamental truths about truth. Number one. Truth can bear inspection. If it cannot be questioned, 
or endure a thorough, unbiased investigation, then I submit to you that it probably is not the truth. Number two, truth can be communicated in words, but the best witness of truth is to live it out. And all true ministry comes from the overflow. Number three, there is an old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. Truth cannot be forced down someone's throat. For someone to embrace truth, they must get their own revelation of it. Our job is that of a sower. We plant seeds of truth. When a farmer plants a seed, he doesn't stand there afterward and wait for the plant to immediately spring up and produce fruit. Where one plants, another may harvest. So says the scriptures. It is God who supplies the sun and the rain. So have patience. If we cannot give people space to process something that we have shared and let them work it out on their own, then this may be an insecurity on our part. It is not our job to convince someone of the truth. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. We can only speak those truths we feel led to share, explaining why we believe what we do and answer any questions they may have, but then let go of that and let them go to God for themselves. Number four, if we truly love the truth, then we will want to know the truth no matter what it is and no matter how uncomfortable it makes us feel no matter how painful it is. If we desire the truth, then knowing that truth, regardless of what it is, must be more important to us than being right. I also want to take time to stress something here, which I have communicated in the past, but I cannot say enough times. Do not take my word for anything. And don't take the word of anyone else without looking into it for yourself. Do not rely upon me. Do not follow after me. Do not take my word for it. And everything, go to God. Know that God will speak to those who not only ask, but who seek and knock. So in other words, you can't be lazy about this. You're going to have to study it out. And if you don't want to study it out and get into your scriptures and really dig, you're probably not going to get the answer. God rewards those who seek. He rewards those that not only ask, but seek and knock. Get into your scriptures. If you are in the word of God on a regular basis, uh, especially the foundational scriptures, which are the Bible and the Book of Mormon, prayerfully studying and becoming familiar with the voice of the spirit, then when a truth is spoken, it better enables us to be able to hear the Holy Spirit to confirm those truths to us. Again, remember to hold fast to the written word, in particular, the Bible and the Book of Mormon. I know I harp on that, but there's reasons for it. God has confirmed to us that these two records he gave to us and made them one in his hand, as it says, unto the confounding of the false doctrines and laying down of contentions and establishing peace. That's 2 Nephi 2, 19 through 21. 
and LDS, it's Second Nephi 3.12. And indeed, the Lord even commanded the church, saying, The elders, priests, and teachers of this church shall teach the principles of my gospel, which are in the Bible and the Book of Mormon, in which is the fullness of the gospel. RLDS, Doctrine and Covenants 42.5a, or in the LDS, it is 42.12. Not everything that Joseph Smith purportedly wrote or said is automatically from God. And if you believe that, it is idolatry. Yea, cursed is he who putteth his trust in man. That's 2 Nephi 3.63 RLDS or 2 Nephi 4.34 in the LDS or Jeremiah 17.5 says the same thing. Not everything in the Doctrine and Covenants is from God. The prophets are subject to the prophets, and any new revelation must be in harmony with previous scripture. The Bible and the Book of Mormon are the foundational records that God gave us to establish truth of his gospel and the truth of his doctrine. If there is something printed in the Doctrine and Covenants for which there are no other witnesses to in the scriptures, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is wrong, but remember that God has well established how he establishes his word. We forget this all the time, that in the mouth of several witnesses will he establish his word. So if we do not find something in the two primary records specifically designed to confound false doctrine and lay down contentions, then we should exercise caution and do not automatically accept those things. Sadly, there are doctrines that have been established in the church that are contrary to the teachings of the Bible and the Book of Mormon. So hold fast to that rod of iron, even as the Book of Mormon says, which is the written word of God, which he has established in the mouth of multiple witnesses, not just one, and by the voice of the Holy Spirit, which again can speak the words of the Lord and lead you to all truth, but is in the mouth of multiple witnesses which is another reason why we have the body of Christ or the church, which is a people and why there are prophets plural with an S at the end in the church. We need to exercise caution in what we choose to believe because there are spirits out there that masquerade as the spirit of God, religious spirits that will deceive you into thinking that you are hearing from God. I have been the victim of unknowingly listening to those voices at times in the past. I am not exempt from the possibility of being deceived. We must check on those things. There are checks and balances in the scriptures. We must be in the word. We must grow to understand his voice. And we must seek out additional witness. And we must always be challenging ourselves and not trusting our own wisdom and our own thoughts. And so we must always be open for correction. There are men and women who have in these last days experienced what some of them are calling the false Jesus who can appear or speak to us in a convincing voice as if it were Jesus, but it will lead you astray. And that is why we must come to know Christ fully. It is why we must know his voice. And that begins by immersing yourself in the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Remember that 2 Timothy 
3.13 tells us that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We are called to be fruit inspectors. We must ask ourselves, what is the fruit of a particular doctrine or truth? Does it bear the fruit that Jesus tells us in the scriptures that we should see? Remember that even Satan will quote scriptures and even share truths in order to deceive us. And finally, if truth is dispensed apart from the love of Christ in our heart, for those to whom we speak it to, even if we quote the scriptures themselves without love, then we have not the spirit. And the letter of the law without charity is death. That concludes today's episode. And if I have not completely offended you, I hope you will join us again next time. Until then, God bless. Yeah.